religiously, and he comes to finding it's all about Christ. We saw this huge change in his life. We saw Paul directing praise and glory back to Christ. It was no longer about himself, but it was about Christ. So when we talk about Paul, I want us to keep in mind, I am not elevating Paul. I am not building Paul up. That is not my intention at all. He did a wonderful job. He did many things well. He a hero of the faith as far as, as I'm concerned. But I am not boasting on Paul. I am not bragging on Paul. I am not preaching sermons about Paul. The point is, is Christ and the glory that was brought to Christ and the way that Paul responded to Christ. It is glory to Christ. It is not glory to Paul here. That was not his intention and that is not my intention today. We saw Paul's desire for knowing God. We see Paul's complete confidence in Christ and his salvatory work in his life. In our text today, we can see a couple of things going on. There's a lot going on in these few short verses. But we see Paul debunking the idea of the Judaizers' self-righteous, sinless perfectionism where these Judaizers were, were building, we've talked about this, building this wall around themselves so they can count themselves as righteous. And they were claiming that they had attained sinless perfection, whereas they were right in and of themselves before God. And we see them teaching uh, or trying to confuse those at Galatia with this doctrine that you had to conform outwardly and follow these different guidelines to be right before God. So Paul is debunking them here. And then Paul is declaring his passion and drive for being exactly who God wanted him to be. And we'll talk about that more, but uh, yeah, we'll wait till later to talk about that. Uh, let's look at our text this morning. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend for that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Let's pray together this morning. Dear Father, I thank you for this opportunity when we can meet together as believers, when we can uh, sing praises to you together, when we can just lift up your name and spend some time where our focus is completely on you. I pray that you'll just speak to us through your word. I pray that you'll work in our hearts, that you'll work in our lives. I pray that you will just challenge us, that you will change us, that you will uh, show your truth to us. I pray that you will renew this, this passion in us to follow you and to love you and to, to serve you and to recognize the magnitude of the gift that you have given and the importance of that on our lives. I pray, Father, that you'll just Give us a wonderful time in your word together and that there will be no confusion that you are to be magnified and you are to be elevated and you are to be lifted up today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So in getting into this study, 
we understand that Paul understood well, very well, that he was only righteous through Christ. So, so Paul's only hope for righteousness was through Jesus Christ. And he took a lot of time to carefully explain who he was and how he could boast and what he had done. But he says, I'm not going to do any of that. That is worthless compared to Christ, compared to who I am in Christ, compared to knowing in Christ. So my goal is to know Christ and to follow Christ and to be who Christ wants me to be, he says. But he makes it very clear that what he does is not what makes him righteous before God. It is through Christ that he is righteous before God. So I want to get all that straight before we get into this study so that there is no confusion. Paul understood that he was only righteous through Christ. Verse number 9, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So Paul had experienced victory over sin and its, its consequences, and they are only through Christ. Same thing rings true today for, for every believer. The only victory over sin and its consequences is through Jesus Christ. Now, Paul has acknowledged that, that, and he has made it clear, he gets it. He tries to help people understand the truth that it is all through Christ. Our walk with Christ is through Christ. Our conformity to Christ is through Christ. Who we are, our righteousness before God is through Christ. It is all through Christ. He is to be magnified here. He also understands the importance of following after Christ and living his daily life in obedience. We've seen in the, in the previous text where Paul is seeking to know Christ more, that I may know him. He's seeking to know him more. He's seeking to follow whatever Christ has for him. Paul is confident in his standing with God. He is continuing to grow in God, to grow in Christ, to, to understand him, to follow him, to understand the significance of what Christ has done in his life. And he wants to know more about Christ and follow him completely. Considering Christ's work, doesn't that make sense to our own lives? I, I want to I pull out... Paul's view of Christ, and considering who, who we were, we've talked a lot about that, considering who we are apart from Christ, dead in our trespasses and sins, slave to sin, considering who we are, considering we are hopeless apart from God, considering what we deserve in our sinfulness from God, doesn't it make sense where we would want to continue following him after the, the point where we trust in him and he, he saves us, where he calls us, where he declares us righteous. Doesn't it make sense that from that point we would continue to want to know him and to want to grow in him and to want to follow him? That makes, that makes sense to me. What he's done compels us to know him more. It shouldn't be, thanks for everything, see you in heaven in our response to God and what he has done for us. And there's a lot I could, I could go off on that. Um, but I feel like that's a, that's a common attitude that we, that we find in, in people is, thanks for dying for me, I'm going to do whatever I want now. 
which brings to question, is that true, true repentance? Is that true trusting in Christ for salvation? But that's a debate for another day. Um, considering, when we honestly consider what Christ has done for us, his work, his gift, shouldn't it compel us to follow him? Look at Paul's attitude. Not elevating Paul, I just want you to see how he thought about it. His attitude was to continue knowing, was to continue growing, was to continue going, going forth with whatever God had for him. Verse number 12, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So Paul understood that he was in Christ, that he was standing, that his standing before God was settled, and that heaven was his home. Paul understood that he was not perfect, and that he would not be perfect until he was made perfect in heaven. Paul was also not apathetic in his walk with Christ. And I think that's so, that's so important here. He understood who he was. He understood his relationship. He understood who Christ was. He understood it. his future home was, was settled. His condition before God was settled. But he did not, he was not apathetic in his walk with Christ. He was not insensitive to his sin or blind to his weaknesses. We see that all throughout his epistles where he understood that he struggled, that, that he sinned, that he made these failures in life. He wasn't blind to his weakness. He didn't have this, this pious, prideful attitude where, look how great I am, look what Christ has done through me, look at all that I have done, look at these churches I've helped, look at all these people that I've led to Christ, look at all this stuff. That was not his attitude at all. He understood he did make mistakes, he did have failures, he was human, he did struggle. So he understood the difficulties that he had in life. He understood that Christ's power was at work in him, and he wanted to be all that Christ wanted him to be. First Corinthians 15:10. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. We studied that in depth last week. Where we saw Paul understood who he was was because of God's grace. Because he understood who he was apart from Christ. So he understood God's grace working in his life. Colossians 1.29 Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. So he understood that, that God saved him, that God called him, that God had prepared him for a purpose, that God had created him unto good works. And he was not taking that call lightly. He was not apathetic about what God had for him in his life. Uh, first part of verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. You can see Paul's sensitivity and awareness of the sin which, which drives his humility before God. 
you can see that attitude that he had where, yes, I'm in Christ. Yes, I'm declared righteous eternally before God. But I understand that on this earth, in this body, in this, this sinful place, I understand I have struggles, which makes me so thankful for God's grace and God's working in my life because I know that anything that I do for him is because of his grace. And we can see this attitude over and over again. Now contrast that with, with the other individuals we've been talking about, or it's all about them. Where their attitude is like, God, you're lucky to have me because look how good I am f- for you. You know, I'm a, a real catch for the kingdom, as one of my friends would say. We have these people boasting in themselves. And we have the, the proper attitude where all that I am is because of Christ. Anything I do is because of Christ. Any maturity spiritually in my life is because of Christ and his, his working. And we look at, at this man who understood this and, and grasped this. And he understood it was because of Christ, not of himself. The second part of verse 12, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So we have Paul understanding who he is, but then we have Paul understanding who Christ is. And we have this understanding of, I understand Christ has a plan for me. I understand that Christ created me, that Christ saved me for a purpose. I understand that. And his attitude was, I press on. Or I follow after. Whatever God has for me in my life, I am going to follow after. And that's not just him talking there. Because we see that throughout his life. I mean, try to find someone with more chronicled trials in their ministry, in their Christian life. And I know that you can find Christians who went through a lot. But we see over and over and over someone who said, I'm going to press on, I'm going to follow after God, I'm going to do whatever God has for me no matter what. And then when the fire comes, when the trial comes, he continues to stay faithful to this call. Not because he was so wonderful, not because he was so great, but because Christ is great and Christ was working in him and through him. The, the words follow after or to press on mean to run, aggressive, energetic endeavor, to pursue, to seek eagerly. Doesn't that kind of shine some light and help us understand, knowing the whole, well, most of the story of Paul's ministry, how he continued? He had this attitude of, I'm pressing on. I am running. I am in this race. Christ has me for a purpose. And I am fulfilling that purpose to the best that he will allow me fulfill it. He understood that he wasn't perfect. But he understood Christ has called him and saved him for a purpose. He understood Christ has a plan for him. And his attitude was, I am going to eagerly run after and pursue whatever he has for me. When it's difficult, when it's good, when it's hard, when it's easy. Christ has a plan for me, and I'm going to follow after it. Verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth 
unto those things which are before. So we have this attitude of, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not there yet. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be focused. You can see the focus in this verse 13. I am going to forget about what is behind me. Think about how Paul resting on his self-righteousness could have affected his future ministry for Christ. Think of, I mean, he could have got to this, this point or another point and said, oh, I've done a lot for Christ. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been pretty good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a break the rest of my life here because I've done a lot. And I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. That's not his attitude at all. He's forgetting those things which are behind. And I believe he's specifically talking here about, about the list of self-righteous deeds that he had according to the law. I believe that's what, that's what he is forgetting about here. He's, he's not counting his righteousness on that. He's counting his righteousness on Christ and what he has done for Christ. But think of how holding on tight to what he had done could hinder him from going forward. Also, think about him holding on to some of the failures he had in his past. I'm not sure that's what he's talking about here, but, but he mentions before how he persecuted the church, and that, that hurts him. He counts himself as one of the least of the apostles because of who he was apart from Christ. So think if he just drowned himself in the mistakes that he made before Christ. Think of how damaging that would be. How's he going to go forward holding on to, to these, these weights of what he was apart from Christ? Or even on current failures that he has, if he holds on to them and, and dwells on them, thinking of how unworthy he is, think of how that could, that could hinder him. How could these same thoughts bog us down? I'm going to make personal application here. How could holding on to our past spiritual successes, how could that bog us down from, from following Christ in the future? And can't you see that being a weight? Like, you don't understand, Pastor Ben. I've done some amazing things in, in my past. I, I have worked some things. I have, I have done some things for, for God. I, I've done a good job. Like, I think my do good list my do good bank is pretty full and and i'm i don't need to do anymore for god i don't need to follow christ that's a horrible attitude how can that hold you down from going forward what about holding on to to past failures or difficulties i mean churches are are full of spiritual cripples that's kind of harsh happy sunday but full of spiritual cripples, both by past failures and past successes. I mean, we have people holding on to, not we, but maybe we do, I don't know. There are people holding on to, to bitterness from the past and not letting it go, and it hurts relationships, and it, it, it hinders ministry, and, and it hinders moving forward. And this does not need to be. 
Christ has forgiven. Christ offers forgiveness. Christ expects us to forgive. We can think of lots of scriptures for that. Forgetting those things which are behind, pressing on. Christ has called me, Christ has saved me, and God has a purpose for me, is, is Paul's attitude here. And that would be a wonderful attitude for all of us to have. Romans 8, 29 through 31, just want to read these, don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time here. We all know verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. But verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now consider that attitude of Christ has called me, Christ has saved me, God has a purpose for me, and I'm going to follow that purpose for him no matter what comes in my way. No matter what obstacles there are in front of me, Christ has a plan for me, and I'm going to obediently follow him. No matter what happened in my past, I'm following Christ. I am reaching for what God has in front of me. And that word reaching means to stretch. You probably got that. But more so than that, it's stretching a muscle to its limit. It, it pictures a runner in a race, giving everything that they have, reaching for that finish line. We find Paul using sports analogies all over the place in the Bible. But if you've been involved in athletics at all in your life, you understand that to be successful, it, it takes a little bit of effort. And you go when you don't feel like going. And you keep going even past that. And that's the attitude that Paul has here for this, this call of God on his life. That's the passion he has for following God. And it's reflecting on this and, and thinking of our righteousness being found in Christ and being declared righteous in Christ, the pressure to be perfect is lifted. Understand that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all struggled. We've all failed. The pressure to be perfect is lifted because it's impossible to be perfect. It's been lifted because Christ has made a way for us to be righteous even in our imperfections. And that's through his perfect, sinless, shed blood, his death, his burial, his resurrection. So the pressure to be perfect is lifted. Aren't you thankful for that? But the perspective to grow is present. What he did is so amazing and unbelievable. Amazing grace. How amazing is grace? Us not deserving something and him giving it to us. That's amazing. Worthy of his wrath, he offers grace. 
He offers forgiveness. That perspective can help us grow and know Christ and follow Christ and learn who Christ was and, and who he is and how he wants to work in our lives. Understanding who we were, understanding who Christ is, understanding how he works, the perspective to grow is present. And we find this attitude here, I want to know Christ. I want to follow Christ. I want to walk in obedience to Christ, not because it saves me, but because he has saved me. My righteousness comes from Christ, but because he saved me, I want to follow him. He has created us unto good works. And you can see the flip side of the coin that we talked about the last few weeks of it's not about us and what we have done to be right before God. But because of what he has done, it then motivates us to know him and to follow after him. Verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This is the idea of a, a continual uh, pressing. I keep pressing toward the mark. I continue to follow Christ and what he has for me. Oh, Paul, recognizing one day I will receive the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is my inheritance. That is coming to me. I will receive this prize. I'm going to continue following Christ because of what he has done for me, because of who he is, because of my high view of him. And this high calling there is so interesting. The meaning of it means an upward call. So it's more than just this, this high calling of, of ministry that we could easily grab from there, but it's an upward call. We have here Paul looking forward to his future eternity with God, in the presence of God. And it's all made possible in Christ Jesus. You see the end of verse 14? The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That call, that promise motivates him to press on. And he stayed faithful to this call. We've referenced that a little bit. I just want to read a couple verses to you, though. <clears throat> in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. For I am now ready to be offered, this is Paul speaking, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I, I love the, the emphasis or the thought there that Paul gives of the Lord being a righteous judge. Because it's only through God's grace and his mercy and his working on the cross that he could even forgive Paul, forgive his sin debt, and still be righteous. So even in these, these words that Paul has here, recognizing he's looking forward, he's kept the faith, all of that is only possible through Jesus Christ not boasting in himself. It's all because of Christ. 
It, it was more than a big dream. It was a reality. He knew he wouldn't be perfect along the way, but he recognized the priority of following the one that saved him. And then verses 15 and 16 Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything, ye be otherwise minded. God shall reveal even this unto you. So Paul had just explained that this, this perfection is something that doesn't happen until heaven. So I believe the, the perfection that he's talking about here is, is talking about this maturity, this, this spiritual maturity that comes from, from knowing Christ and, and following after Christ. He says in verse 15, the mature should have the attitude and drive that I'm talking about here. The stuff I've just talked to you about, Paul says this should be your attitude and your drive, following after Christ, doing what he has for you. This should be your direction. And then he says if they don't, if they don't have this attitude, he is trusting God to help them with it. Isn't that interesting? Paul says if you don't understand what I'm saying to you, if, if you don't don't want to follow this, then I'm, I'm trusting Christ that he is going to help you with it. Then verse 16, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us, also, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So irregardless of the believers at, irregardless, the believers at Philippi should keep living in the truth that has been taught unto them. This truth that, that salvation is in Christ alone. That a right standing before God is in Christ alone. Following, following salvation, there is this, this drive to continue following after God and to continue on the, the plan that he has for you. To continue elevating him and lifting him up and learning who he is and allowing him to work in your life and mature you and challenge you and change you. And I mean, such, such an incredible thought here of this, this motivation of following God is from God, for God, because of how he's worked in you and through you. And I just want us to consider today the working that God has done in your life. I want you to consider who, who you were apart from Christ. And then consider who you are in Christ. What an amazing transformation. What an amazing thought. I, wanna, I want you to think about the grace and the mercy from God that worked that. God's working in your heart to draw, in your heart to draw you to himself to reveal the, the need, the, the sin problem that we have, and then to offer that life, that forgiveness, that cleansing through his work, not our work. I want you to consider the magnitude of that, and then I want us to consider, are we, are we following after Christ? Uh, do we desire to, to know him? Do we desire to be what, what he wants us to be? Not because we're so great, but because he is alive and he is working in our lives. 
has there, has there come some, some apathy or, or some indifference in your life towards following God and understanding who he is and, and allowing him to work in your life? I know it's personal. I know it makes you think a little bit. Are you trapped in, in the past, in past successes? Are you struggling with, with past failures? Are you holding on to certain things? Will, will we allow God to work in us and through us? Will, will we care, I guess is my question. Because God is, God's alive and God's work and God has a way of accomplishing his will. But I just want us to consider church. Are, are we aware? Do, do we consider God and his greatness and what, what he has for us daily? We have the privilege of knowing him. There's no greater privilege in life than knowing Christ. Will you consider him, what he's done for you, and what he has for you going forward? Let's pray.